Welcome to another episode of the video cast podcast for my intermittent fasting journal. Uh, this is week 11, episode 11, and it just so happens that it is New Year's week <laughs> in uh, video and podcast time. So I'm um, really excited to get on here and teach you another week of um, my results as well as some lessons that I've learned that I want to give to my listeners too. So uh, first of all, I'm just going to dig right in with uh, what I did and my results. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is that, especially now that my husband has joined me, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in uh, a little ways down here, but um, now that my husband has joined me especially, one of the things that I'm finding is how we look at the entire week. And um, it, it's funny because you don't have enough time now I shouldn't say enough time. You don't have enough meals and enough snacks to eat everything you want. So that is so it's really funny because now instead of, you know, just kind of like, you know, what do you want to have? You know, what what do we what am I going to make and stuff like that? I'm like, oh, I have seven meals, seven snacks and potentially a seven snacks slash appetizer slash salads, whatever I open my window with and possibly seven uh, desserts or snacks like maybe after my meal if I want them um, maximum each week let me stop and think about that when you think about the number of times that people eat and that they if they eat even five times a day a lot of people don't eat six times a day but even if they eat five times a day a lot of people eat six times a day but if they eat five or six times a day they have you know six times seven even being language lady, I know that that's 42. <laughs> and they have 42 opportunities of what to eat. And then seven of those, of course, they can have multiple things in their meals. Some people in a meal might have like, you know, a meat, a, a two starches, a vegetable, a, a bread, a soda or a juice or whatever. I mean, you know, they, there is a lot of potential for food in a typical SAD, standard American diet. Right. But with fasting, we have so few of opportunities to eat. So <laughs> and that's not that's an, that's another subject for another time, because there isn't an element to mourning the loss of those meals and those opportunities to eat that we have to emotionally work through. But it's just interesting because I look at my week now and especially, like I said, with playing with my husband, I look at my week and I'm like, I have 14 opportunities to eat something at the most, most of the time. So, you know, I can eat my green beans or my salad or my boiled eggs or my orange or, or you know, uh, something sugar-free, kind of low-carby, like is what I like to open my window with. And then I have my meal, which may or may not include a dessert. And we only have that seven times. So now we're all about this whole, um, you know, what do we want to use? our small number of eating times for, what do we want to use our small amount of stomach space 
getting smaller all the time for. So anyway, that was just something, you know, when I think about what I what I did, that was what I did. I, 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 we talked about that a lot, especially with the holidays where we ate two meals a couple of times. And then it was like, oh, wow, this is really different. You know, it, it is different. And so it's just a different mindset. But I think also that causes us and, and forces us to and what we really need to be doing is looking at that going, am I utilizing this time, these meal times, these eating times and the space, you know, well enough? Am I utilizing it both for to for satisfaction? Right. Because there's like I tell my husband, I'm not eating something I don't love. <laughs> you know, I mean, I will eat things, you know, that. I don't always necessarily love boiled eggs, but I know they make me feel really good to open my window with. So I might do it for that reason. But other than that, I'm not just eating something just because, you know, it's what we have this time because I only have seven meals. I'm not spending one of them on that. So anyway, that's in what I've learned and what I've been doing. I mean, in what I've done and my results, that's one thing we did this week. All right. And also uh, to back to the coping mechanisms, I don't want to spend a great deal of time on this, but if you are new to intermittent fasting, um, go to DonnaReach.com, click on the uh, drop down for the intermittent fasting drop down, and then it'll say intermittent fasting journal podcast. Click on that, and my assistant has um, all 10 so far of the podcasts there with thumbnails for each one. And so all of these major topics, you know, coping mechanisms, um, Planning fasting, I decided to type over there. Planning fasting, lifestyle with hubby, appetite correction. Each a podcast slash video slashes emphasis is on a little thumbnail. So you can tell at a glance. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on coping mechanisms because I have spent a lot of time on that in the past, but definitely um, still using that during this holiday week, right? And this and and even though I find myself using them less and less frequently overall, we need those in our toolkit to pull back out during holidays, vacations, and so on and so forth. When we kind of, you know, we're apt to get back into old habits or to feel sorry for ourselves, right? Or to think, you know, wow, usually when I go on a trip, I'm doing this at 10 in the morning. I'm at Cracker Barrel, you know, or whatever it might be. So I'm definitely still using those, not necessarily as much. As I was which is good because our bodies get adapted and we don't really need all of those things the first three weeks I I mean in my startup charts I am teaching all about those for the first three weeks because people really need coping mechanisms the first three weeks to stay with it and we need to you know those of us who've been doing it for a little bit of time you know three months almost at this point we need to be able to say this will really help you. It helped me a lot and to encourage other people and remember how hard it was those first three or four weeks, right? Because um, we have a tendency to get in our own rhythm. Appetite correction sits in and sets in in the evening. Um, fat adaption. I talked about that in episode 10. That sets in during the daytime. And we're like, you know, this isn't that bad. But for some of us, it was bad at first. And so we need to remember that and help others with that. So I'm still using my affirmations. Um, as a matter of fact, affirmations are really, really becoming more and more important to me every day. And I can really tell when I, hi, Miranda, I can really tell when I am not using my affirmations. Um, the book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, that is at the blog. Um, it's also at a lot of the slideshow uh, resources, resource lists and so forth. Um, next week when my 
uh, tech girl comes, we're going to get an entire uh, resource list up at the blog for you. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm definitely still using that. And, you know, I don't think as much as I'm not having to do my 54321 as much, um, 11 weeks in, I'm not having necessarily to do. I do still play with my app, but not as much as I did as far as, you know, counting the hours and doing the math and all that. Um, as much as I'm not using some things as much, I am still using my affirmations all the time. So I just want to encourage you to start using those affirmations. And I teach about those in previous podcast episodes. Look on those thumbnails and it'll tell you. Um, also at the blog, once you click on each thumbnail, it has a complete outline, not just this little outline that some of you are seeing if you're watching me live on the in the Facebook group, but it has an extensive outline that will help you follow the presentation because I'm all about organizing and teaching. So anyway, uh, definitely still using affirmations every single day um, and really, uh, you know, talking to myself. I am a strong, intermittent faster. I control food. Food doesn't control me. I uh, do not take bites of food during my eating, during my fasting window. Um, I can hold off eating until my eating window opens each day because I am strong and because I have self-control, self-government, self-regulation, and consistency. I say that every day. I have self-government, self-control, self-regulation, and consistency. I know they're kind of all the same thing, but I like those words. So anyway, <laughs> um, and, and these, and this really does, it still builds me up. I don't think that I'll ever stop doing that now that I do it. I don't think you ever outgrow the need to tell your brain what is the truth. Um, so uh, also, um, another coping mechanism that I've started recently is not having a later eating window. Um, one of the things that uh, I found was that I was getting a little bit, I guess, I, I hate to, I don't like to throw out the word depressed like it's nothing, but I guess I was getting a little bit uh, depressed, a little bit down um, when I got up in the morning and had to wait until five or six o'clock to eat. And for some people, that might not be an issue at all. But uh, for me, I don't know if it's just mentally, um, if it's because I work at home and, um, you know, by my, I'm by myself when I don't have students. And um, so I don't know. I mean, everybody's situation is different. But for me, the thought of opening my window at eating window at three rather than five or six just made a huge difference on my outlook for the day. And, you know, this might change in the future. It might be that I don't care about that at all later on. But right now I do. So I think that it's important, you know, a, a lesson from this is to that it's important to do what works for you and to really examine your day and see how this breaks down and how this works for you. But for me, when I was waiting to eat at five or six, um, like I would eat like an appetizer or a salad at five and then eat with my husband at six or six fifteen or six thirty, something like that. And so then I was more like five to nine and then we would go to bed. Um, I was just really not doing well with that three to five or three to six uh, hour period of time. And uh, once I got on to the OMAD three, which is one meal a day divided by three sections, snack, appetizer, salad soup, whatever, and then waiting an hour or so and eating my meal and then having dessert, breaking my OMAD one meal a day up into three parts. Once I got onto that, I found that I did a lot better when I opened my window at three or four 
and had that first appetizer, snack, soup, whatever that was going to be, and then ate dinner with him at six. And I, I don't, I think it's, I'm, I know it's a mental thing because I'm really not like starving anymore. But um, anyway, so, so whatever that does for you, but what that did for me was that that made me stop eating at seven. And I love it. Absolutely love stop eating at seven. I think at first when I was first doing it and we and my husband and I were not doing intermittent fasting together. He was just trying to watch what he was eating. And so I was, you know, opening it at five and then I would eat with him at six. And then at eight at nine o'clock, actually it was more like five thirty to nine thirty. So then at like nine o'clock, we would go to bed, watch our show, have our snack, you know, and we were still and he wasn't fasting. So I kind of left that so I have that 9 to 9.30 to have a dessert kind of snack thing with him while we watch something. And um, I thought I couldn't change that. So that's why I didn't move my window to eating window to earlier because I was like, no, I need that, that bedtime snack. Once we start fasting together, um, we realized that appetite, especially for me, appetite correction set in. And so I really didn't need to um, eat after dinner. I didn't need that bedtime snack. So that was a, a big victory, big, big victory, because we've been trying to get rid of the bedtime snack for about a year just just to just to eliminate another eating period and just to uh, eliminate mindless eating because we would, you know, take our skinny pop and M&Ms or we would take our cheese and crackers or whatever. And you just eat while you watch something kind of thing. So anyway, that that's another thing that I did that was kind of a coping mechanism in a way in that just altering my hours helped me a lot. So um, I also love, love, love getting some of those fasting hours in before bed. Um, so uh, that's just, a, you know, you move your window around. Obviously, I move it around day by day if I need to. Um, but, uh, you know, if he's he tutors in the evening sometimes. So if he's tutoring late or if I have meetings or something like that, then sometimes we won't eat our first meal until eight. Um, and then I open my window at six and that's not my that's not my preference. But see, through that experimentation that you're going to discover what works for you. So I plan my fasting hours and my eating hours, uh, both. I plan both day by day. All right. And um, just on the varying your windows, look at DonnaReach.com at the drop down. Go and there's one particular podcast where I explained in detail how to vary your windows from day to day. I think it was nine or ten. All right. So my results, I am at week 11, eight and a half pounds, um, which I'm really, really excited for because the previous year for a whole year, I had only lost. Um, see, the first year I was on my supplements, I lost 10 pounds. The next year I was on my supplements. I lost five. But then my dad passed away. He was very sick for a month. I was at the hospital with him every day. I'm not blaming him. I just went through a lot of grief and I gained some of that back. So uh, I really had you know, like a net 10 pound loss, but now I lost eight and a half pounds in 11 weeks. So I was very excited about that. Um, and I still had a traditional New Year's Day meal. That was important to know when we're talking about adjusting for holidays and adjusting for um, vacation. It's super important that we not throw in the towel and every other time. I throw in the towel at how, you know, when it comes down, I don't really gain weight in the holidays, in the holiday season, but definitely, you know, there's this element of throwing the towel every weekend, many times on when I was doing keto or trying to do keto, throwing in the towel, vacation, you know, I'll just gain whatever I do on this week. And then when I get home, I'll do something drastic and try to take it off, you know, saying, you know, from Christmas Eve 
I, did, I wasn't one of those who gave up from Thanksgiving to New Year's, but I would definitely say from, you know, the 22nd when our first Christmas get-together was until the 2nd, just forget it kind of thing. And, and that isn't happening for me. And I'm so happy about it because I've talked on here before about, you know, how I homeschooled for 32 years, and I've written 100 books for homeschoolers. And um, I was able to achieve consistency in so many areas of my life. And food and exercise were two that just eluded me. I would have periods that I did really well. I told you before, I lost 100 pounds one time, 80 pounds one time. Um, and uh, now I've lost 80 pounds again, almost. And uh, only this time, it's been a lot longer period of time. So I, and now I have a way to keep it off. So I'm not worried about it. But um, just to be able to say, I have control over something that I've never been able to have control over. And I think intermittent fasting can really change our lives as far as how we view ourselves. You know, like I always prided myself on being self-disciplined, self-controlled. I taught other people how to manage their time, how to manage their day, how to manage their children, how to manage their school. But yet in the back of my mind, it was always like, yeah, but you know, and now it's not that way anymore. And I, I'm just so delighted by that. All right, so I'm going to move into listener lessons because I spent way more time on what I did and my results than I was supposed to. You know how I always start teaching whenever I start talking? <laughs> yeah, I have a problem. I can't, I can't not explain something in a way that might apply to somebody else. So hopefully that helps you. And you don't just think, oh, she's rambling again. So anyway. Thank you for listening. All right, so listening less, listener lessons, my lessons that I give to you that I've learned. First of all, um, the lifestyle with my husband. Oh, my word. We've tried, we've done a lot of things together. I mean, we've been married for, um, hmm, this is, now it's 2018. So we've been married for um, uh, 17 years. I mean, We've been married for 37 years this summer. And so, you know, and we've lost weight before. We've gone low fat. We've gone low calorie. You know, we've done low carb. We've done those things together. Um, but uh, this is just such a delight because it's 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 like I, I think I told you that we became empty nesters several months ago and we graduated our last student from homeschooling a year and a half ago. And so this is just like part of our empty nesting. You know, and um, one of the things that I always idealized, you know how you think that you're going that, that when life gets this way, it's going to be so much easier and you're going to do this, this and this. Well, so you romanticize those times. Right. So I romanticized our empty nesting time. And so for years and years and years, I used to tell the kids when we were at the grocery store, this wasn't. This sounds like I didn't want my kids, but I love my kids. But I used to tell them we were at the grocery store. You know, we get these honking gallons of the no-namest, no-named orange juice, you know. And I would hold up, you know, we get these gallons of orange juice. And I would hold up this little glass bottle, glass, mind you. We never had a glass glass in our house to drink out of in our entire child-rearing years. As a matter of fact, we still don't have any glass glasses because we have kids coming in all the time. We have grandkids, so we still have... Disney plastic clear they're gorgeous but they're not glass and um, so uh, 
glass bottles of orange juice and I would hold it up and I would tell the kids when dad and I are empty nesters we're buying this orange juice you know and um, or I would uh, you know say you know when dad and I are empty nesters we're gonna buy this you know little package of two steaks you know and all this kind of stuff is so funny so anyway here we are now we're empty nesters and another thing I always romanticized was going out to eat just spontaneously because with stuffing kids you don't you don't want to eat that much and then you definitely don't want to eat spontaneously you just don't just throw away you know if you go fast food 50 bucks if you go sit down you know it's over 100 especially once they're teens so you don't just you know throw that away just say you know spontaneously and so that was another thing that was going to be I was going to we we're going to spontaneously go out to eat so then we started trying to do low carb together and um, we've tried that off and on and the orange juice was gone right because you can't have orange juice when you're doing low carb and then secondly um, the going out to eat it was just I was just so frustrated going out to eat because I was constantly taking my own low carb bread. Uh, sometimes I'd be on light on low fat. I take my own low carb, low fat butter, and I would take my own chips to the restaurant. And I would, and we would, you know, and I would only order green beans. I wouldn't get potatoes, even though I loved having potatoes with my meat and so forth. So it was like hmm, that was kind of a bummer. You know, I dreamed about this all my life, and here I am an empty nester, and we're not even enjoying orange juice or going out glass glass bottles of orange juice or going out to eat spontaneously or otherwise. And so um, this has been a really, there have been so many fun things about doing intermittent fasting with my husband now. So one of them, minus the glass orange juice bottles that we don't get, but what, because you don't have enough time or space, at least we don't, in our eating window to deal with orange juice. <laughs> it's just like, no, I want something real, I want real food. Um, so, but one of the things has been going out to eat and it's been so much fun, just spontaneously even sometimes, just going out to eat. It's been really, really fun to just go out to eat and eat a dinner roll and eat a potato or eat some tortilla chips and, and that's been really, really fun. Um, but then also, just with our intermittent fasting together, um, we're, we're like, you know, there's a little old couple. We're not that old, really, because we had I had kids really young. We started having kids when I was 19, while I was still in college. We got married the day before I turned 18. So anyway, um, so with this three weeks of him being on intermittent fasting, he has lost over 10 pounds in that time, and I'm so so happy for him um, because whenever we tried to do low carb, we would blow it going out on weekends and stuff like that. So if he lost during the week, both of us, if he lost during the week, we would gain it back on the weekend. A lot of times, so we would have like a a net, like a not a net loss, very often, and um, so then he would just get discouraged and say, "Forget it," you know. And um, so I'm really excited that he's lost that amount of weight. He has, um, I don't know, we're kind of kind of back and forth on his final goal weight because the charts are like so 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 low. I mean, he would never weigh 165 pounds, um, but he'll probably shoot for about 80 pounds total that he'll try to lose. So um, that was exciting for him to lose 10 pounds. Planning together, we're like this little old couple who like you know we only have one meal. <laughs> A day, like I said earlier, we only have seven times seven meals to eat in a week, so we're like calling each other, you know, you know, do you want spaghetti meatballs tonight? Oh, spaghetti and meatballs, yeah, you know. And then I'll make low carb garlic bread because I'm not gonna throw out everything out the window because I do have this pre diabetes that will flare up if I eat too many carbs. Um, but it's really been fun planning together, fasting together. It's it's so much easier. Um, and then, like I said, going out to eat together has been fun too. All right, and another lifestyle, another lesson for listeners is the whole concept of New Year's. 
you know, those of us who have been on the diet train <laughs> for many, many years and just going around and around and around and never getting off or getting off and getting back on, I guess would be a better way of putting it, um, is the whole New Year's thing. Every year, I mean, every year, just that whole idea of, you know, I'm going to start doing this and this and this and this, and I want to change this and this and this. And I'm a productivity and kind of lifestyle teacher, especially to parents. And I know you can't do all those things at one time. I teach at the blog in the productivity series. There's a productivity video series at DonnaReach.com. I teach there that that how we parented and how we made changes in our home and in our lives and in our parenting was one month at a time, one change at a time. But yet New Year's comes around and what do we do? We automatically say we're going to do all of these things. We are going to revamp our eating and our movement. And, you know, we, we know it's not going to happen. There's a reason why 93% of all New Year's resolutions are gone, dropped, unrealized by the end of the month, by the end of the very first month of the year. And we know in our heart of hearts that it hasn't worked in the past. But, you know, January brings a new freshness and, you know, a new new year and new goals. And so even though we know it's not going to work, we still do it over and over and over again. And and we go into it thinking that this time it is going to work. And I, I just I'm super, super depressed thinking about those thoughts and how how we live like that so much and super grateful and excited that it's not that way in 2018 that it is no deadlines it is no deadlines with intermittent fasting and um i think that uh just choosing the lifestyle approach to it from the beginning not off and on, not starting and stopping, not, not you know, giving it up for something else for a while or giving it up due to holidays or vacations, um, but truly just changing the window as it's needed and staying on course as it just made me realize that this is a new way of life and there's not a deadline. Now, my husband's got his um, 40th anniversary, his 40th class reunion this summer, and everybody wants to weigh a certain weight or wear a certain size or lose a certain amount or look a certain way by the time, you know, you go to class reunion. We were in high school together. He was um, a senior and I was a freshman. Uh, so I know all his people and he knows all my people. So um, who doesn't? But you know what? It's not frantic. It's not. It's nothing like the January 1st of days gone by. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, no preconceived ideas about timing, no plans, no resolutions. We just tell each other, you know, my husband's a little over three weeks in, I'm 11 weeks in. We just tell each other that eventually we're going to get there without time limits, that it doesn't matter. Time is going to go by no matter what. So it doesn't matter if we get there by a certain date or a certain time. So happy about that. Okay, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about appetite correction. I'll probably do like a part one and part two on this. Uh, next week I'll do part two um, so that I can get through more of uh, Bert Herring's book. Um, but the book is called AC, The Power of Appetite Correction. And as I mentioned, I talked about fat adapting in episode 10. So you can go back and listen to that if you'd like. But today I want to... Uh, 
talk about something else I've been learning, and this is about appetite correction. Um, and it's basically what's happening more or less during the eating window. Uh, we think about fat adapting as being during the fasting window and how your body gets adapted to using its body's stored fat and so you don't feel hunger and horrible and all that uh, after uh, three or four weeks. Um, or whenever your body empties all of its glucogen, glycogen stores and all of its circulating glucose, then you start going into fat burning and you don't feel as badly because you can move into it more uh, gently, I guess, so to speak. And, and your body's doing it more easily as it gets used to doing it. Um, but with appetite correction, uh, AC, the power of appetite correction by Dr. Bert Herring, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, I've heard it hearing and hearing and it's spelled hearing. So anyway, uh, he talks about six kinds of hunger. And uh, so I just want to go over those here because they have a huge effect on how we look at the fasting time as well as the eating time. So the first one is called real appetite. And it is um, uh, maintained by the body's autopilot system. And with that, um, he calls it the apostat. Move that up there. He calls it the apostat uh, because he says it's like a thermostat. So he calls real appetite the apostat because it's like a thermostat. And he says that this is maintained by the body's autopilot system, uh, that it goes high, your appetite, your real appetite, the apostat, goes high when your fat stores are empty. Um, to get you to eat, and then it drops back, just like the thermostat, when your fat stores are full. And this is what he calls your real appetite, the apostat. Then he talks about somatic hunger, which is the sensation in your belly. And, um, you know, we have those uh, ghrelin hormones. That's the, the hormone that tells you that you're stomach that you're hungry that your belly is empty so to speak and so I think that that would be related to this your sensation in your stomach that you have hunger and this is what we feel feel a lot of times in the first two to four weeks of intermittent fasting while we're waiting for um, uh, um, we're waiting for our body to be able to adapt to using its own fat stores while we're waiting for fat adaptin adaption to happen. Um, and it can be a growling, you know, sometimes it even can feel like a twisting. Um, uh, just really, sometimes people will feel nauseous during that time as well. All right, next is limbic humber, hunger. I've never heard of this before, uh, but this is the drive to continue eating once you're full. And, um, you know, those of us who are overweight, and um, who have had lifelong weight issues know about this, where we are full, but we keep on eating. And, you know, there are jokes, you know, I need to unfasten my pants, I need to go put on my stretchy pants, those kind of things. But those really aren't jokes, right? There's nothing funny about needing to unfasten your pants or change pants in order to continue eating when you shouldn't be eating anymore. The, the, you know, I don't know why we joke around about that, right? But, you know, I did too before. You know, I've, I've done that also. Um, but it's not funny because it's it's not true appetite. I mean, it's not true uh, hunger. A clock hunger uh, is a bio, what he calls a biological clock. And this really is affected by intermittent fasting. 
Um, and I think it's I think that we notice this more in it's, it's biological clock hunger is when your body becomes hungry 23 to 24 hours after the time it was you ate you fed it yesterday. And the, this really affects intermittent fasting and the fasting window itself um, whenever you change, vary your window a lot. And I know I have noticed this before, you know, where I I can go long, I can start, you know, I can go until four or five, you know, sometimes, and I'm just like doing great. You know, it's like three o'clock comes, I'm okay, four o'clock comes, hmm, I'm getting hungry, I'll go ahead and open my window. You know, I usually, I always plan it, but, um, but then when I open my window earlier, to have a lunch on a Saturday with one of our moms or on a Sunday with the kids. And then on Monday, I'm like, one o'clock. You know, I'm never hungry at one o'clock. I'm always okay. I mean, not that you don't ever get hungry with intermittent fasting, but I'm never feeling this, you know, this is just like, you know, real like, what is going on here kind of thing. And it is 23 to 24 hours later after you fed your body for the first time yesterday. So that's an interesting concept and one that we need to understand if we want to change our window around. Changing our window around is our own preference and our own luxury, but we have to be willing to deal with the hunger that we might be causing ourselves when we do that. And it's worth it to me because of familial and social obligations and, and desires. But you know, some people might say that's not worth it. I don't want to feel that way. Appetite-driven hunger is next. And it is when you visualize yourself eating something. So you might not be the least bit hungry. You have an appetite for something. Uh, you have a desire to have something uh, even if you're not hungry. I think about this being like commercial driven, where if you see a, you know, a Whopper commercial on television or you see a, um, um, you know, a, a commercial with people eating ice cream or something like that. And then the last one is mouth hunger. And this is the urge to chew on something when you're not really hungry. Um, and with us, with intermittent fasting, mouth hunger really doesn't get resolved because it, unless, unless we do want to introduce a taste during the fasting window, like gum or mints or something like that, um, but knowing that that taste might cause more hunger, right? So um, I talked about that in a recent slideshow at DonnaReach.com. Um, and also live here, actually, in the Intermittent Fasting Journal Facebook group where I'm recording this video. Um, so uh, the whole idea behind these six hungers is noticing and recognizing which ones are genuine hunger, right, real appetite, versus, you know, just, um, uh, you know, the desire to eat when you're already full, the desire to have something in your mouth, the desire to eat because you, you know, a hunger that sets in because of what time you ate yesterday, um, those type of things. And just really being, uh, you know, cognizant of these things and their effects that they can have on your fast. All right. I thought it was interesting also that Dr. Herring calls um, um, fasting 18 hours or more. In the book, he describes how 12 hours is not anything to do with fasting because typically people should, you know, give their bodies 12 hours off at night from 8, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. or whatever that might be. And he has a formula that he uses. It's um, like, I don't know, 18 times, 12 times one and a half. And, I, and it had something to do with how long people generally wait uh, 
between meals that um, so anyway uh, and that is that's how I came up with that number 18 hours but I just thought it was interesting that uh, he calls fasting 18 because there are 16 hour fasting protocols that people follow also and I just talked about that yesterday there's going to be a slideshow come up next week uh, but I just talked about that yesterday in the intermittent fasting journal Facebook group um, how the 16 8 and the 17 7 and the 18 6 and their effect on um, potential weight loss as well all right so using appetite correction the whole book is called appetite correction he talks about a lot of things in the book um, besides appetite correction but the the idea of appetite correction is that you after three to four weeks of daily intermittent fasting your fasting window your eating window I'm sorry your eating window will be dictated by appetite correction as opposed to being dictated by your um, desires and so this is really this has been amazingly cool I'm just telling you right now waiting for appetite correction and trudging through those first three to four weeks of intermittent fasting is so worth it especially if you've been a lifelong dieter who has counted the calories counted the fat grams counted the carbs and all of that and all of a sudden your body does something that you try to do through willpower for for me for 40 years 41 years this summer 42 years since I was 13 probably 42 years and so seriously this is the coolest thing and so you know all that striving and all of that willpower and all of that you know if I just eat this you know low-fat angel food cake I can make it and I can not have a candy bar or something that's got fat in it you know all of those years of striving are solved in three to four weeks of intermittent fasting how cool is that so appetite correction is when your body controls your appetite during your eating window instead of you trying to control it and at first you know that's why people a lot of times give up on intermittent fasting because well first of all they give up because they're hungry because they didn't wait for their bodies to become fat adapted right you wait those three to four weeks your body becomes fat adapted and people are like there's no way you're not starving right now I'm I'm a little hungry but I'm fine you know that kind of thing once that sets in it's remarkable you can do things that you never thought possible as I said in way in a lot of earlier videos you can do things that you couldn't do when you were having a colonoscopy or as a fasting blood draw right when you were thought you were gonna die waiting for 11 o'clock to come around and have your blood drawn so you could go eat you can do things that you never dreamed possible if you give it that three to four weeks for your fat adaption to set in the same thing is true with the appetite correction a lot of times people give up on intermittent fasting because they are uh, fasting and they are um, binging during their eating window and they're like there's no way this can work why am I letting myself eat anything I want this is stupid I'm overeating I'm eating candy all night I'm eating chips and salsa all night I just ate a whole pizza you know this is never gonna work you can't lose weight eating like that well there's some truth to that you can't lose weight eating like that forever but with appetite correction your body is going to regulate that way better for you than you ever could with any of your past willpower efforts so um, he calls appetite uh, correction 
um, he says that it is a leverage that we can use. It's a tool that we can use to gain control during the eating window. And um, so, uh, and this has been remarkable to me to watch my husband because when he used to like try not to eat very much during the day, he would just eat like a payday bar or some popcorn or maybe a ham salad sandwich out of the machine. And all day long, that's all he ate. And Diet Mountain Dews and coffee, and but that's all he actually consumed food-wise. In the evenings, he'd come home and just be ravenous and just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat all evening long. And he was like, I hardly eat during the day. How can I be, you know, how can I still weigh this much? Well, it is because, you know, a lot what happens a lot of times and what people first start out with with intermittent fasting is they can't control their eating during the eating window. And that's why I recommend the OMAD over three or OMAD divided by three, because that gives you a sense of control. I'm going to open with this. And then an hour or two later, I'm going to eat my meal. And then if I still want something, I'm going to have my dessert. It gives you a, a way to control it at the beginning. Um, but he talks about appetite control being uh, uh, a, a physiological um, thing that you like your heart rate or something like that, that you that it happens automatically. And that's such a cool thing. It happens automatically. And he says, yes, you can lower your heart rate by resting. And you can speed up your heart rate by exercising or running or jumping or whatever. Um, but generally speaking, your heart rate is your heart rate, right? And so uh, we have this automatic control built in for us that our physiological body will do for us. And it's a leverage, a tool that we can start using whenever it sets in. And like he said, it's usually three to four weeks. And some people don't give it enough time. Right. And so um, they they binge and they binge and they binge and they gain weight and then they stop intermittent fasting. But uh, again, he calls it the apostat and your apostat will help you stop eating before you normally would. This appetite correction will help you stop eating before you would normally stop. Uh, and I, I talked about this before in this group, and it's like one of those things where you're just done. It's so cool to just be done. Stuffed, just done. Hmm, I'm done. I, I mean, you know, overweight people don't just say, I'm just done. You know, we keep eating. We keep wanting more. We keep desiring food. And and yet, instead, I'm done. Are you full? Hmm, I'm satisfied. Are you stuffed? No. Isn't that neat? See? All right. So anyway, and he also says that appetite correction will help you choose better foods. Um, and, and I found this to be true. When I first started intermittent fasting, I almost always, the first couple of, first three or four weeks, I almost always started with something sweet because I'd been on low carb and I wanted M&Ms and I wanted uh, Dove candy bars and I wanted ice cream and I wanted things that I, jelly toast, I wanted things that I had, that had been off limits before. And so uh, now I can control it without even trying because this makes me feel better. I'm going to open my window with this. So how cool is that? You have to work with it. It's not going to just happen. You have to help it happen. You have to see the signs and work with them and stop when you're full and all those things. But it really, really does work. So that is what I've been learning. And um, I am going to switch over to our um, 
unpaid advertisement here uh, for supplementation. So uh, I'm going to just put on our song and close out the teaching portion, and then I'm going to talk um, a little bit about uh, supplementation afterwards. So you can hop off now or stay on. Thank you for joining me. Makes me want to dance. Everything makes me want to dance. All righty. For those of you who stayed on, I'm going to be talking specifically about Plexus Slim again. And um, I talked about this the first uh, couple of episodes. Um, I am a uh, I am an ambassador for the Plexus supplement products. Um, if you are not interested in supplementation, no problem. That's why I do it at the end of the podcast video cast and I tell you that I'm going to do it and that way you can stay on and learn about these amazing plant-based products or you can hop off and um, it's no big deal. In the intermittent fasting journal group, um, I don't even know if I've talked about the supplements there other than at the end of this yet. So sometimes I might uh, share on there. I haven't been uh, because I'm so into teaching intermittent fasting. So um, and I do think the supplements help me with my intermittent fasting greatly, but a lot of people do intermittent fasting without any supplementation at all and have no problems. So this is just another option for you if you are interested. So Plexus Slim is a plant-based um, product that comes in a bag like this. The bag shows you that it's raspberry, lemon, and watermelon flavored. It comes in a little packet. There are 30 of these in a bag. And it comes in a little packet like this. And these out these uh, are uh, dropped into your water bottle. Um, you can just use a regular water bottle uh, from the store, store-bought water bottle, or um, I use my Contigo for my uh, waters as well as for my um, Slim every day. And uh, this Contigo is a 20-ounce insulated bottle. Um, I'll put some links to it at the blog, but um, it I've had 20 water bottles probably throughout the last you know, 10 or 15 years, and I will never go back to anything but can, this Contigo non-sweating insulated water bottle. I can put ice in it when I go to bed, and it will still have ice in the morning. I can put it down here while I'm editing because you know, I'm a writer. I can put it down here when I'm editing, no sweat on my documents. That was when I first knew that I really wanted to use this water bottle because every other water bottle sweat on my documents all the time. It made my ink run. So anyway, so yeah, it comes like this. Just mix it up. You don't need a blender or a mixer or anything like that. It's just really shake, shake, shake and drink. Um, you can put it in. Uh, my husband puts his in a shot and takes it down first thing in the morning when he gets ready for work. I put mine in my water bottle and drink 20 ounces uh, because I love the taste of it. And I used to be, before Plexus, I was a Diet Coke addict. I drank three 32-ounce um, foam cups of Diet Coke every day to, as two years ago, and now I don't. So anyway, that was that's an exciting, exciting uh, development that happened to me as a result of the Plexus products. So all of the 16 products are plant-based and natural, and they um, are all about either weight loss, weight management, pain, energy, sleep, 
um, and so forth, and we just absolutely love them. Uh, Slim does have a sweet taste to it. It has five calories, so it, I mean, that's not too much more than coffee has, but uh, I will say that some people say you absolutely cannot drink anything sweet during your fasting window, and I don't drink lemonades and, you know, stevia sweetened drinks and stuff during my fast other than one Slim every day at about 11 or 12. And the reason is because Slim was designed to balance blood sugars for um, diabetics. It was actually made for diabetics to start with. So it is a blood sugar balancing product first right out of the gate. Um, and now they've since added prebiotics and some other things to it, but it still has the, that blood sugar balancing, those blood sugar balancing properties. And so um, it actually is made to balance your blood sugar. So I'm not worried about it causing an insulin spike. Uh, if people are, they can open their eating window with it instead. But I find that the, um, the appetite suppressant and the carb cravings control that I get from Slim is worth it to me to drink it during my uh, fasting window. So I do every day between 11 and 12 o'clock. Um, the ingredients in the Slim, there's chromium and green coffee bean extract. However, it's the way it's extracted, it does not have caffeine. So it doesn't work as a caffeine substitute during the fast for those of us who are seeking for caffeine. In episodes one, two, and three, I talked about the, our two caffeine uh, pills that I use, Boost and Accelerator, um, that I take during the fasting window uh, to get my caffeine since I don't like coffee or tea. Um, so this this would not be a substitute for a caffeine, a caffeinated drink, um, because it's got, uh, every time it's been tested, it's never had any caffeine in it. Uh, the way the green coffee bean is extracted, it doesn't have the caffeinated portions. So um, uh, we are told to say that it has the equivalent of um, a cup of decaf coffee. Um, it's got Garcinia cambogia, alpha lipoic acid, mulberry fruit extract, stevia leaf is what it's sweetened with, and it is collared with beetroot. I wish I had put it in a clear glass because it's very pretty. It's it's pink um, and it's collared with beetroot. So there's nothing unnatural flavoring it, sweetening it or coloring it. Um, it has a microbiome activating formula that contains ingredients clinically demonstrated to improve gut health and promote weight loss. We just recently in the last year, they've added prebiotics to it and uh, it causes these prebiotics um, cause your uh, acromancia to increase. And if you go on Google and look up acromancia in rats, you'll see a really fat rat that uh, had low acromancia and the thin rat that had high acromancia. It's because the prebiotic that is added to Plexislam increases acromancia, which uh, boosts your metabolism and also suppresses appetite. Uh, it increases lactobacillus by 365 times and bifidobacterium by 290 times. Uh, the, the prebiotics in it really help heal the gut. So that's a big, uh, big plus with it. Energy, lots, of, it, it, it's my pick me up in the middle of the day. Um, I just, if I'm feeling, sometimes if I don't drink it, it'll be like one o'clock, I'll be like, oh man. Yeah, I'll go get my slim. I'll get my energy until I'm done fasting here. Um, and it uh, supports healthy glucose metabolism, basically the blood sugar balancing. A lot of people find a lot of pain relief. People are finding pain relief all the time with inflammation as well as with like uh, fibromyalgia 
and um, headaches, migraines, uh, and sleep, glorious sleep. So those are just some of the things that you can expect in with Slim. Um, I do with the blog at DonnaReach.com offer a free Slim trial that you can go onto the blog and request. And I also offer a um, seven-day trial sample as well. So anyway, this is how one of the things that I use during my fast. Um, and I really find that it helps me. And if you're interested, I'd love to tell you more about it. But stay with me regardless as we learn more about fasting. Thanks. See ya.